Because we've been studying sin will have no more dominion over you. And in studying this, we found out the positional truth that the flesh has been declared, which is dead. Another work, our word for mortification, which is to say that concerning sin's ability to use your flesh to dominate you and force you to sin, he's saying that dominion has been broken, has been broken. And he described that victory in Romans 8. And we found out that we've not received the spirit of fear, bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, and his spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And in our study, we came to a place in this mortification and understanding the position the flesh has been declared and how the flesh has been put to death or mortified by the spirit. And we came to the place of studying the voice of God on the inside of our spirit, how God operates it. And we found out that there's four different ways that the Holy Spirit communicates with the person's spirit. Four different ways. And that one is through the inner witness. This is why we quoted that, that verse, that we've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Well, I don't walk around with my spirit crying, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. He explained what he meant in the next verse when he says, His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And the way he bears witness is by crying, Abba, Father, or continually bearing witness inside of you that you're his child. So it really doesn't matter how bad that fear and bondage and different things get. Have you noticed that he continually bears witness on the inside of you that you are his child? This is a continual process. There is an awaking moment, a moment when I go to bed, that I do not have a witness being born inside of me that I am his child. I can't remember the last time I was without it. I hear people talk about well, I just feel like I'm lost. I don't even feel like I'm saved. I can't remember the last time that I did not feel like I saved. Continually, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness in my spirit or bears witness to my spirit or communicates with my spirit that I am saved. He is bearing witness. And this ought to interest you because the foremost way that he leads a believer is by the inner witness. If the Holy Spirit can communicate and bear witness with my spirit that I'm saved, he can certainly communicate with you and bear witness when you're heading in the right direction. And he can certainly checkmate you when you're heading in a wrong direction. If he cannot, it's because we have not learned to listen or operate out of the inner witness, or the turmoil in our life is so great we can't differentiate between the operation of our spirit and the emotional realms of the soul. So the first and foremost way he leads a believer is by the inner witness. The second way, the second way is by revelation and going over ground. Revelation is when he does something like puts an entire revelation on a teeny little computer chip. I mean, just loads that little computer chip to the hilt. A whole revelation, a whole understanding of something. 
and then passes it over into your spirit and then suddenly releases the entire program that's on that chip in a milligram of a second. So one moment you're sitting there, you don't understand anything about healing or nothing about prosperity, anything at all hardly. And suddenly the Holy Spirit capsulizes an entire revelation, passes it over to your spirit, and releases the entire program at once. When he does, all of a sudden you understand a whole lot about it and you're standing there going, well, how do I know this? How do I know this? He has communicated to you by revelation. Now, this is how he mostly uses a believer in interpretation of tongues or in prophecy. Somebody will give it a tongue, and you're setting your mind in your own business. And the Holy Spirit will capsulize the revelation in that tongue, interpret it, and then send it over to your spirit and explode it. And suddenly you know what was in that tongue. You don't know how you know, but you know. And you pick your own words to give it. And that, my friend, is an interpretation. The third way he communicates with his children, number three, he just plain speaks English inside of your spirit. And today I believe we're going to get to how he does that. But the third way he communicates with his children is by speaking English. I mean, he just speaks on the inside of your spirit and you can hear him. And much to some of your amazement and shock, <laughs> It's not in King James unless that's the only way you'll hear him. In fact, he hasn't spoke King James since the 15th, 16th century. You know, how do you think God would sound if he was in China talking to some old boy? You think he'd speak accented Elizabethan English? No, it sounds something like, yo, so, you're not called, who's he home? <laughs> the Chinese said, oh, God just spoke to me. Well, what did he sound like? Well, like King George. <laughs> but you know what? I was first beginning to hear God's voice. He spoke to me in King James. You know, when I first began to get some prophecies, I thought the only way I, I could interpret the tongue was to have him... Tell me and speak a sentence. Then I'd give the sentence and he'd give me another sentence. So he gave it to me in King James. He would start it. It was my signal. I say unto you. <laughs> but I say unto you. And when I'd say it out, another sentence would come. I'd say, yeah, you know. I say unto you. <laughs> when I would do that, then because of obedience, then another would come. And, and it would be in King James. It was the funniest thing. But it would be accurate. So he would speak to my spirit and I'd hear him and interpret the message. So the third way he communicates with his children, he literally speaks inside of your spirit. And if you know that it's him, you can hear him and be instructed. But a lot of us can't differentiate when he's talking or we thought of it. And if the believers in the body of Christ have proved anything, they prove that. God spoke to me. God spoke to me. Well, what did he say? God spoke to me. A lot of people cannot tell the difference between the inner witness, God speaking to them, or even by revelation, and their imaginations. 
Therefore, they get caught up and led all over the country. They're always bringing reproach on the gospel, always, because they're always telling somebody, sinners included, God spoke to me, God spoke to me, and they're always causing a big mess because he did not speak to them. And now, that doesn't exclude the fact that he does. He does. And this is what we're studying on how to listen. Now, it would behoove you to listen to what we're attempting to get over to you. Now, he says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the sinner or the scornful. He says, This man's delight is in the law of God, and in it does he meditate how much? Day and night. You mean in view of there's 10,000, I mean 10,000 different kinds of churches and every one of them has got a King James or a modern day translation and they're all claiming that our denomination is inspired by God. Yet there's only one Holy Ghost, one revelation to one Bible. And most of these won't even cross the street to agree with each other. Yet he said, this man's delight is in the Word of God, and in it does he meditate day and night. And in view, there's 10,000 different doctrines, and they can't even agree with each other. You mean to tell me there's a way the Holy Spirit gets involved with my spirit in meditation to take the counsel that left the heart of God in the form of the Word? and reconstruct it in my heart in such a way that it becomes the counsel that I need so desperately to walk by. You mean there is a way that he gets involved with my spirit? Yes. So when we talk about the voice of God and his ability to communicate with you, if I was you, I'd listen. Now in view, there's 10,000 different kinds of churches. All of them claiming we had the truth and only one Holy Ghost. Who's right? Jesus said He's come for one purpose, to guide you into all truth, the Word's truth. Who's right? These men are the Holy Spirit. I mean, in fact, that they're all preaching something so different. One against tongues, another one against healing, one for eternal salvation, another one you can be lost for missing a Sunday. All of them are preaching something so different. This ought to tell you something about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't push you into all truth. He leads. He doesn't force you into anything you don't want to go. He guides. He was revealed in Jesus' baptism as gentle as a dove. He doesn't shove you around. There wouldn't be 10,000 different doctrines and men spouting them and their theology and braying in barns at midnight, you know. I mean, if, if the leadership of the Spirit was so forceful that it would be real hard for you to follow something wrong, then I could understand it. But He's not. And if you strive and contend against Him, He'll let you go. Where do you think all these denominations come from? Yet he said, the man that delights himself in the Word of God. And in it does he meditate day and night. There must be a way that he gets involved with my spirit. In such a way that he can take the Word of God, the counsel, 
that left the heart of God in the form of the Word and reconstructed in my heart in such a way that it becomes my teaching. It becomes my counsel. The Holy Spirit, He literally takes the Word I hear and counsels me with it and interprets it to me. Even with so many men that have the Holy Ghost that can't hear Him. Yet there still has got to be a way. Men that talk with tongues, that preach, that I have the truth, yet can't agree with the guy down the street that says he has the truth. Men get on television and fight with each other over the book of Revelation. Fight with each other over healing, whether it's God's will or not. And when it is, how far to take it? Fight with each other on God's will concerning prosperity. Yet, they have the Holy Spirit. If having Him alone merited perfect leadership, then you'd be a smart fellow, wouldn't you? But evidently, it does not. Yet, there is a way that He gets involved with my spirit. There is a way that I meditate the Word day and night that He can take that counsel and lift the heart of God and reconstruct it in my heart such a way that I understand it. And it becomes the counsel I so desperately need to walk by so I do not have to take my counsel from the world, but from God. You hear preachers say, well, just go hear him, but be careful. You just eat, you know, eat the grass and spit the stubble out, spit the sticks out. That's what we're supposed to be doing for you. See, this is what teachers and pastors are supposed to be doing. He says, I charge the elders which are among you, feed the flock of God. Take the oversight. Feed the flock. This is our commission. Feed the flock of God. It is our commission. And you're supposed to sit here and listen to me and pick the sticks out of my sermon? This is what I'm supposed to do is gather you in the sheep pen and guard you against the wolf. You're not supposed to guard me against the wolf. I'm supposed to guard you. I'm supposed to pick the sticks out and give you the hay. Not you, me. Why have so many people went astray blindly following somebody that taught them something that wasn't true until eventually they were taking communion in Guyana? Or listen to me. He said, if the blind lead the blind, you'll both fall in the ditch. You think that because you were innocent and that blind teacher led you into the ditch that you're immune? I can give you the list of hundreds of people that have been led into the ditch that have died in the ditch because they couldn't attain what they needed. We have the Holy Spirit. And He is resident on the inside of our spirit and He came to lead and guide you into all truth. And John 17 says, Thy word is truth. And there is a way that He gets involved with your spirit to take the word and the counsel and to lead you and guide you and to give you the inner witness and to give you revelation and to speak in your spirit to guide your businesses, to guide your ministries and even give you visions. The fourth way he communicates is by vision. There is a way 
that you can edify your spirit. There is a way that you can take your ground and prepare it in such a way that it becomes a haven for the Holy Spirit to operate in. But it's certainly not in a social gospel. It takes a giving of your life to Him. So you're ready to take this a step further. The baptism of the Holy Spirit took place in my human spirit. The Holy Spirit communicates with my spirit. And He does it mostly by revelation. Now again, by revelation is when He capsules an entire revelation up like putting it on a computer chip and sends it over to my spirit. And then suddenly releases the entire understanding of that revelation in a milligram of a second. At times, when I've been meditating on a verse, all of a sudden that verse exploded both directions, through the Old Testament and to the end of the New. And I understood it. It took me a while to go back and research it through and even longer to preach it out. But the whole thing came in the milligram of a second. Now, because my call is ministry, it's hard for me to do anything else because I can't muster up any interest. This is the only thing I live for. It's really the only thing that I'm interested in to spend my life for. See? So, I'm called to deliver the Word of God. It's ministry. But all of you are not called to do what I do. There's helps among you. Governments and businessmen. And see, this revelation, this communication by the Holy Spirit is here to serve you and your call and your capacity as He is to serve me. And as I told you before, if I was called to be a businessman, let me tell you what I'd do with my business. I would pastor it. Just because I'm preaching and handling the Word of God, do you think there's an automatic desire in my heart to see more people born again than you? No. No, I don't have any more desire or should not have any more desire to see people born again than a businessman. Our avenues to get them born again would be different. Mine would be handling the people directly. Yours would obviously be direct witness and supplying the money to get them born again with. It wouldn't matter which role each of us took. The reward would be the same because we'd be functioning in our prospective position in the body of Christ. What I'm trying to tell you is this, that the same equipment that is available to me, it is available to you. I pastor my call. You would need to pastor your business. If you did, he would make you rich. Then I really don't have time to pray. Hmm. I'm too busy making a living. Oh, I'm sure glad the last bunch of believers who brought revival to their generation and their town didn't use your excuse. Uh, 
God communicates with my spirit. The Holy Spirit communicates with my spirit because He is a spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit took place on the inside of my spirit because it is my spirit where all permanent change takes place. And once that change is ordered in my soul, and it affects my body, it is ordered in my body. But He communicates with my spirit because He is a spirit. I mean, I would like it if he spoke more to my mind. I would like it if Jesus walked in and talked to me more in person. But he doesn't. The Holy Spirit has received that ministry and he ministers to me continually on the inside of my spirit. All you have to do is familiarize yourself with his ministry and learn how to listen to him because he's the only one that can equip you. Now, folks, this is why, to some degree, when you lock your mind up in a book during prayer, that you sometimes won't receive full benefit. Well, how come? Because you're ordering your mind, and your mind is reading. the. the well, it's, a, it's a scriptural book, I mean, it may be. It may be that the Holy Spirit might be trying to work something else in your life and praying part of your ministry and, and you're sitting there and you got your mind over in Timbuktu what happened to Susie Missionary when she went up the Amazon. And you're reading about her and that's great for her, but he's trying to get you to understand something about your ministry and you can't get it over to your mind because you've got your mind locked up in some book. There's times when you need to take your mind and say, listen, I'm going to teach you how to become a servant to my spirit. I'm going to teach you. When your mind goes, I'm quite active, you know. Yes, but we're going to teach you how to listen to the Spirit. But, but I don't like to be without intellectual food for more than three minutes at a time. Well, you can just shut up and learn how to listen anyway. But I won't like it. Well, you may not like it, but you're going to learn anyway. But I want to wander around. I want to, you tell me reading the Word of God is bad? No, no. The first thing I would read is the Word of God. And at times in praying in tongues, I will take a term of praying and reading because I know that he's trying to communicate the revelation that I'm reading. But there's also the times when I put my Bible down, kick back, and pray for a couple hours in the Holy Ghost and do nothing but adjust my mind to listen to that place in me that he communicates in case he wants to get something over to me. Now, he might be wanting to get something over to me in Timothy, and I'm over in Revelation but if I take a time to shut my mind up, to shut up, you're going to learn how to become a listener and a servant to the Spirit and shut the thing down. And it may argue with me. I don't want to. Shut up. You're just going to sit there for the next hour and be quiet and listen to the Spirit or the part of me that He's communicating with. You're just going to shut up and listen. And I have found it is usually those quiet times that revelations explode and he begins to communicate with me. Now, he communicates with my spirit because he is a spirit. So the prime way he communicates, not with my brain, but with my spirit. Now, my spirit's been created in God's class. Science has even recorded that there's some part of a human being that can receive and store millions of bits and pieces of information per second. They don't know how, but they know its operation far exceeds the conscious mind. I can tell you something and you can forget it ten minutes later. 
They don't really know how to analyze it, but these men that teach success try to teach people how to tap into it. But all they've done is at times they've been infatuated with the operation of the inner man. See, he's the part that God communicates with because of his tremendous ability. God can capsulize a revelation and send it over to your spirit and explode it. And you can understand it in the milligram of a second. Or the same revelation, it would take him a month standing in your room to get it over to you. So yes, when I'm praying in tongues, my friend, there's those times that I don't do anything with my mind on purpose. On purpose. I mean, when I come in, like to the prayer center, to where I'm going to join together with a bunch of believers and pray, I don't want a book in front of me. I've got enough of that business when I'm driving my car and praying in tongues, and my attention is demanded. I've got enough of that business when I'm going about doing other things, praying in tongues while I'm doing it. Yet, my attention of my brain is demanded for what I'm doing while I'm edifying my spirit. And I'm praying mysteries up before God that He undoubtedly is going to communicate with me. But when I come in and sit in a chair, and my body's not assigned to do anything else, it's going to learn a new form of discipline. I'm going to shut it down. Shut up mine. And close my eyes. Why do you do that? Unless I'm walking, I'll lay down and close my eyes because I want to block any distractions, anything that would take away from my ability to listen to the part of me he communicates with. So when I set a precious two hours aside or so to come into the prayer center and pray, I'm sure not going to stick a book in front of me. I get enough of that when my mind is distracted other times when I'm praying. So when we go those eight hours, you might read your Bible for a while, but make sure you get them two-hour spans or so where you shut that attention down. And boy, your mind is like inertia, like gravity. Once you get it rolling, you don't want to stop. I mean, my mind just wants to roll, you know. It wants to think about everything under the sun. My old spirit's just on dialogues. My brain is wondering how to fix this and wondering how to fix that. Then I'll get something in my mind, you know. This is the craziest thing. And I created this water trap, you know, where when our boys walked into the bathroom, it dumped a bucket of water on them. Anyway, just to let them know I love them, you know. Come downstairs yelling all wet, you know. <laughs> Even though I was praying in tongues, and my mind kept going over the creation of that trap. I couldn't get it out of my mind. You know, I could see myself drilling and or whatever, you know, bending wires and fixing triggers and strings and how I was going to fix this part and this part. You know, and I'd get my mind off. I'd say, stop that, stop that. You shouldn't do that. So I'd try to get my mind back to listening and then wander back over and create that trap again, you know, because there's just a gravity about your mind that once it starts rolling, have you ever noticed? It doesn't you have any trouble exploring things. And for you that are professional warriors, you're really highly developed at it, you know. <laughs> Even though your spirit is edifying, your mind is, is performing its chosen profession. Just worrying up a storm. Worrying, worrying, worrying.
Well, folks, this was quite a problem when I first learned to pray. Because I was locking myself up for six-hour shifts like you're going to do for an eight-hour. And my mind went crazy. I finally let my body follow my mind. It went crazy. You know, I finally ended up walking down a riverbed kicking every green rock. Just any rock wouldn't do. I had to look for green ones. Because my mind was so bored, it had to do something. I'd kick a green rock. And then I picked the bright red. It was fall and it was turning. So I just picked, I just spot a bright red leaf and I'd go over and pick that off to just look at it. And then, <laughs> I mean, I finally let my body go. You know, I was wandering around kicking rocks. I was so bored I couldn't stand it. It's because my mind was used to having its way all the time, running every minute. Or you're planted in front of the television and it's being entertained for you. Every minute, something, your mind, I want something, I want something. And so it took quite a while. You know, it took locking myself in an eight-by-eight room and walking up and down the river because nobody told me to do this. And I just kept, first, first I tried to control it. You know, I'd say, nope. It'd start thinking about building the trap and I'd bring it back. And it'd start thinking about something else, I'd bring it back. And it'd start thinking. Finally, I just gave up. And I let it explore things. Only thing I didn't do is let it get naughty. If it wanted to think about something that wasn't very nice, I'd say, no, 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 you don't. Come back over here and now you can think about these other things. After a while, like gravity or inertia, you get something rolling, don't want to stop. After a while, the thing kind of began to wear down and said, okay, <laughs> I'm ready to listen. <laughs> then it became a receptor. And my God, some of the revelations I'm preaching now, I got in those days. I learned how to listen. It wasn't real long after that, folks, that I got where I could lay still and nothing moving but my eyes blinking, boing, boing, not hardly moving my fingers or nothing, just laying there, boing, just my eyes, boing, and pray six hours. So Lakota Mosada Bolakaracha, Shokara Boing, Soda Boramadakaracha, Boing. In my mind, try not to dictate to my body to get up and wander around. And more and more peace came. And when peace came, rest came. And I found out that my mind began, after it quietened down, to receive more and more edification and revelation knowledge. One time, and I was watching myself. I was on a PTL club. Anyway, they re-aired it, and I was in my room praying when it came on. I was listening to a Ken Copeland tape. And then I come on the television, so I turned it. <laughs> and I was watching me listening to a Ken Copeland tape and meditating on a chapter. And I was doing it all at once and retaining. First thing that will happen is peace will begin to dominate your mind. It may take some of you longer than others. But peace will begin to dominate. And you know, when, when a person's mind isn't at peace, full of care and worry and torment, and have you ever had your mind go blank on you? I mean, I had that happening to me before I was 30 years old. A policeman would stop me, and he asked me my name, and I couldn't think of it. First big income tax check I ever got back. They asked me to sign my name, I forgot how. 
couldn't think of how my name went. <laughs> Oppression robs your mind. Cares and torment and worry over an extended amount of time will cause oppression. And oppression will begin to cause your mind to get blank and senality and things like that. But a mind that's full of rest and peace over long periods of time will begin to restore itself. It's fantastic. If I was you, I would learn how to pray. So let's get into this a little bit more. Brother Roberson, you said that you shut your mind down so you could listen to that part of your spirit that you hear God in. Yes. Would you help me isolate that? The ear of my spirit, would you help me isolate it? Can you teach me how I could close my eyes, shut everything down and monitor or listen to my spirit? Perchance the Holy Spirit is going to say something to me. Yes, I can. And as I said the other day leading up to this, whenever I'm introduced to somebody for a first time, I don't know if I do this deliberately or not. I usually only catch half of their name. Sometimes I have to ask you your name three or four times, and then I do good to get it. But the first few times I'm introduced to somebody, I've learned. I did it on purpose at first, but now I do it automatically. Just about the time I know it's going to be a new introduction, I switch over. I pull my mind under subjection to my spirit and begin to listen to him. I can do it so completely now that anything he says to me is louder than you. I mean, all I'm sitting there looking at you, even when he's not saying anything, I am monitoring my spirit so loud that I'm seeing your lips moving, but I'm not paying any attention to what you're saying because I'm listening for or to another person. The Holy Spirit has saved me lots of heartache because many times he'll give me a profile of the person. He wouldn't give it to me if I would use it to hurt them with. One of the first stipulations for him really to communicate with me, I had to come to a place where I would not hurt people, will not hurt them. And so when I shut down, he gives me a profile. Man, immediately, you know, just immediately almost, I'll, I'll know what you're capable of. And I'm so glad for that. Sometimes he lets me know that the person has all these faults, but they're developing a ministry and he wants to use them, so he wants me to weather all the faults and keep training them in the ministry. And so at those times, my hide has to be a little bit thicker. And it breaks my heart when I fail with these people. That when they leave the prayer center, as mad as when they come. It really breaks my heart, you know. I extend myself out and I thicken up my hide. Because I know I'm going to have to weather a storm with that person, but I don't mind. Because he's given me peace. Do you understand? Hallelujah. But I do appreciate the warning of the Holy Spirit. I do appreciate it. And he'll warn you too. How many of you have ever been warned and you went, he warned you, and then this person was so charismatic, so overpowering in their deceptive personality that after you got that quick little inner witness, uh-uh-uh-uh, mm-mm-mm-mm, you went into a full-flown relationship with them, and by golly, 
They made you wish you were never born before it was over. And then you remembered back and said, I did have a check. I don't know why I didn't listen to it, because Mr. or Mrs. Charismatic overpowered you. <laughs> but most of us are not going to be too sure about them areas until we first learn what to do to develop ourselves, to learn how to operate with Him and to listen to Him. So let's, let's go on and start introducing. Let's, let's try to understand how to shut down and learn to listen to the operation of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's look at this 14th verse. Now look at the 14th verse. For if I, this is Paul first person, so it's Dave Roberson first person. Now catch this very closely. For if I, Dave Roberson, pray, pray in an unknown tongue, for if I, Dave Roberson, pray in an unknown tongue, now notice this, my spirit prayeth, but at that point, when I'm spending those hours in prayer, notice this, my understanding is unfruitful. Now, of course, he's talking about a man, just to make this simple, that I come up to this altar like I do on that end and lay down and begin to pray in tongues. So I'm qualified for that verse now. So I'm laying here praying. If I, Dave Roberson, pray in an unknown tongue, he said, my understanding is unfruitful. The part of my understanding that he's talking about is the ability of my physical brain that analyzes languages it is unable to analyze the language that's coming out of my spirit. For if I, Dave Roberson, pray in an unknown tongue, he says, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. It's not that I eventually will not understand the mysteries that I prayed up before the Father, but at that point, when I spend that eight hours in prayer, I may not with my mind understand one syllable that came out of my spirit. Because it is a language that I'm unfamiliar with. I don't have the translation word for word unless He gives me the interpretation. But He usually doesn't do that except for a public service for the edification of the body. The way He gives me the interpretation when I'm praying privately is by exploding the mysteries and revelations on the inside of my spirit. And at that point, it is not necessary for my mind to understand every syllable that He passes through my spirit. So when I'm spending that eight hours, my brain is unable to decipher or change word for word into the English language. He went down the road. On his way to the cross. It doesn't work like that during prayer. There is not a word for word translation. But notice what he says. For if I, Dave Roberson, pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. But my understanding is unfruitful. 
Now, eventually I will understand by revelation, but not word for word. For if I, Dave Roberson, pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Now, wait a minute. Isn't the Holy Spirit the one who came and has given us this language? Isn't the Holy Spirit the one speaking when somebody says, well, they're praying in tongues by the Holy Spirit? Isn't the Holy Spirit the one that originates the language of tongues? Isn't He? Then what is He talking about? My Spirit. Now, is He talking first person that I, Dave Roberson, now possess the Holy Spirit? So He's saying, when I, Dave Roberson, pray in an unknown tongue, my Spirit, that is, my Holy Spirit, you know, who's been given to me, mine. He's mine now. <laughs> my Spirit, my Holy Spirit, prayeth. Or, is it really my born again, new creation, human spirit that is actually doing the praying. Which one? Somebody yell both? That's correct. You're safe to stay with the Word. You could say, my spirit. Because <laughs> that's the one that's doing the praying. Which spirit? My human spirit. Now, it says, if I, Dave Roberson, pray in an unknown tongue, my human spirit prayeth. But at that point, my understanding is unfruitful. Now, if it is my human spirit doing the praying, if it is, I mean, the Holy Spirit is supplying the language, all right. But he said it is my human spirit that's doing the praying. Now, there's a transfer of power here, and there's a reason for it. You and I are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. Wherever his body is, he has authority in this earth. When the Holy Spirit transfers that language to my human spirit, he's also transferred the authority. In other words, it is I now, Dave Roberson, part of the body of Christ that is praying a prayer he gave me as a member of the body who has authority on this earth to change things. So there was a transfer of power. But because we're so dumb, the Holy Spirit says, I've got a lot of praying and edifying and things I need to teach you. I need to work your ministry. I'm searching your heart. I know the plan of God and I'm making intercession for you according to the will. There's many things that I need to pray through you for your personal life and ministry. Therefore, I am supplying the prayer and the prayer language. You supply your spirit and I will pass it through it. God, it ought to be hard to fail. I mean, here he's pray, praying the perfect prayer through your spirit. And he will do so as long as you lay there and do it. The perfect prayer. And when we jump up and say, I don't have time. What do you have time for? If it is my human spirit doing the prayer, is it, Brother Roberson? Yes then somewhere there was a transfer of power. Somewhere. 
somewhere within my spirit, the Holy Spirit literally is bringing those words of tongues into existence. Somewhere in my human spirit, the Holy Spirit firsthand is creating each syllable and each word of tongue. Somewhere in my spirit. In order for my spirit to do the praying, somewhere in my spirit, there had to be a transfer from the Holy Spirit to my spirit for me to be able to communicate that language. Where does that take place? If you find out where, then you will find out where to shut down and what part of your inner man to monitor when you want to know if God's got anything to say about your problem. Would you whip me if I stop now? <laughs> An interesting thing took place. Oh, I don't know. I was in the ministry a couple of years, I guess, praying, locking myself in a closet. I'd learned how to shut my senses down long enough. I wasn't too good at it, but I was learning to listen to the Spirit. Anyway, I was in my closet and had spent the morning in prayer, edification, just laying there edifying myself, Holy Spirit privileging me by passing a supernatural language through the authority of my spirit. For I am his body and I do have authority upon this earth. So he transferred that power in a perfect prayer. Perfect. Perfect. Designed it for my edification. On a personal level. The perfect prayer. My God. I was laying there praying in the Holy Ghost. Just praying. And I don't know what I was expecting really. You'll find that unusual anointings will begin to pass through you if you give yourself to endurance. So I was laying there praying and it seemed like some kind of dome settled over me. And I was in the holiest of holies. Ah. Uh, Everything got real super quiet. It happens to me now when he changes the anointing. I'll be walking around ministering. All of a sudden things will go deathly silent. And when it does, it clear, my spirit clears and the operation of a gift will come in. But things get real quiet. It's unsettling quiet. Then the operation of the spirit begins to come and I can start hearing him say things. When he first started giving me words of knowledge, to any degree. I almost got fallen down drunk to hear them. And I, I wondered why, because later the drunkenness tapered off, but I could still hear. I understand now that I was so unsure of myself that he had to literally drown my senses, intoxicate them like a drunk man to make me know I was enough in the spirit to trust what I was getting. But now it's not so necessary. You know, I just, there's a deafening silence comes and I slide over in the spirit. I found out how to shut down on purpose and listen. He knows when I do it and if he's going to say anything to me, he usually does it then. <laughs> I've had people come up after I've taught on this and say, what did he tell you about me? <laughs> I don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> don't worry, it won't affect our relationship. <laughs> but it seemed as a dome settled over me you know just then I was locked in the holiest of holies 
I believe that closet he's talking about is more. You know, entering into that private place in the holiest of holies, your spirit with his spirit, and learning who God is. Who else are you going to learn it from? Huh? Things got real quiet. And I slid over into the spirit. And he taught me some things about his voice that day. This is what he showed me. All of a sudden, in the spirit, I could see the anatomy of a man. It was his whole outline, so I knew that it was the physical part. And then I seen what appeared to be wall for wall, uh, a glow on the inside, which I knew to be the hidden man of the heart that filled the outer man wall to wall, hands, hands, eyes, eyes. And then, then I seen this bright glow that went from the mind down to the chest area. Just kind of circled this far. Just like a brilliant glow, and it took in the mind and, and here. Now, I've always been fascinated with the voice of God and preachers or evangelists that heard that voice. I pestered them relentlessly at times. They'd finally just open the door to their trailer or something and say, excuse me, I've got to go to bed. <laughs> you know? But I'd want to know how they heard his voice. Well, well, he, he, he spoke to my spirit. And I'd say, where, where is he? Well, you know, the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, and belly be interpreted inner man or spirit. So they'd say, well, well, he spoke to my belly, my inner man. And I'd say, whereabouts, please? Well, he just spoke to my spirit. Well, how did he do it? Well, you know, just spoke way, way down on the inside to my spirit. And they'd kind of pat their, their belly, you know. I said, would you please identify the approximate region, the belly button area, a little higher? Where, where did he talk? Well, you know, way, way down in my spirit. No, I don't know. You know. <laughs> anyway, there was, a, there was a bright glow. And we say, well, God spoke way down on the inside of my spirit. And most preachers will go, oh, he spoke to my heart. And they put their hand over their physical heart. Because they say, well, it just came way down from into my spirit. Almost like, you know, that they, he just went down as low as he could in some kind of well here. That's kind of like God drilled a well down your throat. And it goes way down here. And that's where revelation comes from. It comes up from that well. <laughs> and as the truth of the matter it does come from deep somewhere in fact so deep that we, we say well it, it came from way down here and it appears to come from way down there but what God actually communicates is with the mind of your spirit and listen the hidden man of the heart the spirit man he has a brain like you do and it and it fits in your natural brain. And folks, God doesn't move out of his brain and go down to the belly button region and talk down there. <laughs> he, he communicates with your spiritual mind. And guess what? That's in your head. Now, I thought that he talked down here. 
because the spiritual mind, of course, lies beneath the natural mind, and it gives it a depth. And when things are coming from the Spirit, there's an understanding and a depth to them. So it appears that they're coming from way down the belly button region, but actually it's coming from the recesses of your spiritual mind, meaning it seems to lie much deeper than your natural mind. But my friend, she is there. And it is within there, there, I've seen this glow. And I've seen the spirit man's mind. And I've seen the Holy Spirit literally creating tongues. Creating tongues. Creating the tongues in that light. Creating the tongues. And the moment he'd create them, they would come outward to the outer man's mind, and they would come out the man's tongue. And he continued to create these words, and create them, and create them. And I realized it was there where the Holy Spirit spoke to me. There. Let me give you an example. This is what he did to me. He had me pray for a while in the Holy Ghost, so because I was praying the whole time I was receiving this. Then during this time I was seeing this, he impressed me to stop. He said, Stop. And I stopped, but the tongues did not. The tongues did not stop. And when they did not stop, he continued to create them on the inside of my spiritual mind. When I did not let them come out of my mouth, they floated up to my natural mind, and I could hear them. In fact, the Holy Spirit kept creating them, and I could hear them. And if you'll notice right now, that if you respond to the Holy Spirit like I want to pray in tongues, that immediately he'll supply the language. If you do not open your mouth, did you notice that you could hear those tongues being created somewhere on the inside of you? Hello? You're hearing the ear of your spirit. Hello? You're hearing God's voice. What's he saying? Tongues. Where is he saying it? In your spirit. Can you hear it? See, a whole bunch of hearing God's voice for the first time. Let's demonstrate this a little. I want all of you that can to pray in tongues real forceful. Till I say stop. When I say stop, I want you to cut it off immediately. You'll create a river, a spring, It'll continue to flow up to your mind. I will want you to listen to where this language is created in your spirit for a moment. Familiarize yourself. Because folks, when you come up, and I shut down, that's exactly the area I monitor. Some of you will have problems at first because you don't hardly pray in tongues. That the more you pray in tongues, the more the siphon holes will open up, the more familiar you'll become with the Holy Spirit, with the language, and how he uses you. So when I tell you to begin, begin. Say, this is sure an unusual service. <laughs> Pray out loud. Begin now. I want you to close your eyes. Get ready. Get ready. Because when I stop, the tongues are not going to stop. They're going to keep floating up. I will want you to listen to their origin. Stop!
Hello. <laughs> you just heard God speaking in your spirit. And he can change that to English or Chinese or Japanese. Or he can speak any language on the face of this earth through you and bring it through your intellect, through your tongue. He can speak in any language, English, and just talk to you on the inside. That's where that inner witness will come. That's where the check will come. Because that part of your spirit is the part that the Holy Spirit communicates with. He created that language on the inside of your spirit, and he can also create language, English, on the inside. You can hear English come into existence. He wants to fulfill the word in you. And in view of 10,000 doctrines and one Holy Spirit as the teacher, let's face it. We have left the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, I will go ahead and prove this with the scripture now for a moment. Luke 16. Glory be to God. Oh, I'm having a good time. It isn't that often I get to explore in this kind of thing. I usually do it with preachers. But since you're going to pray revival down, you're going to do more than most preachers do. <laughs> Let's begin with the, mm, how about the 19th verse? Hallelujah. There was a certain rich man, this looks sixteen nineteen. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. I, love, I just love King James, don't you? Fared sumptuously every day. <laughs> and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dog came and ministered to him. <laughs> I like that. And it came to pass that the beggar died. Now, now he's dead now. Came to pass that the beggar died. His body's buried or whatever. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried. In hell, he lifted up his... Now, how many thinks that grave is hell? No, the grave isn't hell. The grave's what held his body. The rich man was in hell. Now, notice this. In hell, he lifted up his... His what? <laughs> oh, my God. You mean my spirit man has eyes? Isn't this incredible? And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, he also had emotions. And seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger. <laughs> we know that people in heaven have the tip of a finger. Amen. 
the way we'll be known as we're known? Probably fingerprint each other. Now, we know that people in hell have eyes, and we know that people in hell, in heaven, have fingertips. Now, as of yet, we don't know if they have any more parts to their body. <laughs> he says, the tip of his finger in water and cool my, my God. People in hell have tongues. Can you see all these eyes and tongues laying around in hell? <laughs> but Abraham's son said, Son, remember, in thy lifetime thou receivest good things, and likewise Lazarus evil. Now, well, I remember when the kids were little and they asked me about dying, and I said, Well, I looked behind the stove in this old leather glove. So I put it on, I, I think I did anyway. And I said, This is what dying's like, and I slipped the glove off. I said, You just step out of your body. If I had the ability to stand before you right now and my hidden man of the heart stepped out, my spirit man, and stood over here and I left my physical man standing here, guess what? My inner man would have hands, he'd have eyes, nose, ear, hair. In fact, he would look exactly like the physical man minus age and defects. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, you might as well, if you're bald-headed, you might as well go ahead and comb your head because your spiritual hair is still there. <laughs> you might ask it to clothe itself in flesh once again. <laughs> if I stepped out of the body, my inner man would have hands and eyes and nose and mouth. And if he had all those organs, my friend, he also has a brain. And, and this physical hand gives my spirit hand authority to operate in a natural world because I'm wearing him, I can contact physical things. It allows my spirit hand to operate in my physical hand and clasp a physical object. Whereas I've got a spiritual brain that fits into my physical brain, and my physical brain allows my spiritual brain to operate in a natural world and translate what I'm receiving in the spirit to a natural operation. Languages, existence, soul realm, all those kinds of things. But I have a spiritual brain that fits in my physical brain. And my spiritual brain is the part of me the Holy Spirit communicates with. I'll close with this for this session. I did a meeting with Ronald Coyne. Ronald Coyne has the plastic eye miracle. Have you ever heard of it? All right. You'd, you'd tend to think this has really got to be phony or something. And there's certain magazines that's challenged him as fraud. And they're the ends that ended up trying to keep it quiet. Because he, as a little kid, he poked his eye out and Daisy Osborne's or T.L.'s mother or somebody prayed for him. And all of a sudden, he yelled, I can see, I can see. And she said, well, come on up, it's a good testimony. I says, no, you don't understand. My eye was plastic. And she says, my God, let me see. 
And so from that day to this, he was probably eight, nine years old. From that day to this, he has this plastic eye that you cannot see through. When you hold it up like this, you can't see through it. It's colored like an eye. And when he pops it out, all you can see is the back of his eye socket, and he is not bashful about holding it open. So you can look all the way to the back of his eye socket. And the first thing he did that, I helped tape his good eye. I knew he couldn't see out of it. And then he pops that plastic eye out, you know. And he's holding it up and there's nothing. He's holding that and I'm, I'm getting down there looking up in there. And there's nothing in there. And here's the eerie feeling. He's looking back at you. It's like you get your nose too close to a camera, you know. I'm, I'm up there looking at this and he's looking back at me. Being real patient, you know. Anyway, he demonstrates this thing. He reads the finest print. Finest. On a driver's license. And that night I went back and I said, God, I'm really confused about this. He doesn't have an eye. And he said, oh, yes, he does. I said, no, he doesn't have an eye. And the Lord said, oh, yes, he does. And he said, but he doesn't have an eye. He said, yes, he does. And what God did on him is a miracle in reverse. What he did was he didn't have a physical eye, and he needed a physical eye to operate in this physical world, so his spiritual eyeball would operate. Without the physical eyeball, then the spiritual eye would have problems operating. So God did a miracle in reverse. He opened his spiritual eye so it would operate in this world without the aid of a spiritual eye or a physical eye. So you say, he don't have an eye. Yes, he does. God just did a miracle that he can see in the natural realm without the aid of a physical eye. So he doesn't have one. So now that's a tremendous miracle, creative miracle of God. But what would you do if he did another kind of miracle? If you had your physical legs cut off and you notice you have a lot of problems walking on your spiritual legs, they won't hold you up. But they're there. They just don't operate in this natural realm. But they're there. Wouldn't it be something if God did a miracle in reverse? Some old boy got his legs cut off and he comes jogging down the highway in shorts, you know. Well, that eye is that incredible. It is that incredible. He can see without an eye. And these different people that want to expose him get partway in and then they quit. Because he'll run any test you want. And he can see with no eye. Well, my friend, you have a spiritual brain. And the Holy Spirit communicates with him. It is your mind, actually. Mind, well, intellect is your physical brain. It is your mind. And the Holy Spirit communicates with Him. The more you pray in tongues, the more you're going to familiarize yourself with the part of you where He actually creates that language. When you become familiar with that, it is the same part of you He'll create English. He gives the inner witness. The Holy Spirit communicates with your mind. Let's stand and worship God.